we are truly in the darkest timeline, so why not travel back to a simpler time, when your toughest choice was what to rent a blockbuster for the weekend, Face Off or Con Air. That's where the Talkbuster podcast comes in. Every episode, Chris Chipman is joined by a guest who relive their time working for Blockbuster. The good and the bad. It's a fun nostalgic dive that, if nothing else, is a great escape. Find the Talkbuster podcast on your favorite podcasting site today. Hello and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Lord Commander Ulrich, and with me as always is... Shield, brother. All right. How's it going today? It's pretty good. I'm on another vacation with uh, with my buddy Wretched, who, spoiler, is the guest on this recording. Uh, we had a long day yesterday out on the boat and whatnot, so I'm kind of tired today. How are you doing? I'm tired as well, but probably for entirely different reasons. My back hurts, and therefore I don't sleep well anymore. Reasonable. Anyways, let's keep the fun train rolling on in as we talk about the wonderful, wonderful people that like us so much. They support us over on Patreon. Our wonderful, wonderful patrons. They are Pam Gelly, Marky, Chris Chipman, River Gelly, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vay, Brendan Eddie, John Vinnels, Kit Kenny, Seth Decker, Dona Lucy, Patrick Anderson, Curtis Mel, Scott Rubin, Derek Kelly, and Peter Cook. If you'd like to join the illustrious Legion, head on over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. 25 cents an episode is a dollar a month. That's all we ask. That's all we need. As I mentioned earlier, we have a guest. Wretched, frequent guest of the podcast, but still introduce yourself to any people who might be new. Hi, I'm Wretched Giraffes, and people might be new. Okay, well, I can tell this is going to be a high-octane recording, so why don't we get right into our topic, Ulrich? <laughs> uh, we are bringing back a popular format we like to call our Indie Game Roundup. For those of you that might be new here, this is where we talk about games that are produced by smaller-ish studios. We aren't real hard and fast on the rule. And it's basically a spotlight to go, hey, these are some smaller games we've been playing that we enjoy, that you might enjoy picking up next time there's a uh, Steam festival sale of some form. Because Steam loves to make up excuses to do sales. I'm not really yeah. sure how that works. Yeah, and as Ulrich pointed out, there are games we'll talk about that are, by the definition, not indie because they're produced by or made by studios that are at the large. But it's kind of a general term we're using to describe games that are smaller, or at least smaller in scale, or smaller in known quantity that aren't usually made by like AAA kind of people. So don't get on us for the exact semantics. I know I'm the semantic guy saying that, so come on. <laughs> All right, and then I'll go ahead and go first to get us off. There's a my, so funny thing, whenever I play indie games or games of this caliber, they almost always come from Wretched. He tends to buy them for me because he wants me to play them with him. So one that he bought me somewhat recently that I've only had to play like a handful of times is called uh, Raven's Watch. Have you heard of this, Ulrich? I have not. Okay, so Raven's Watch is this like top-down kind of... I mean, it plays like a Diablo thing, but it's a roguelike. Like, you pick a character that is based on, you know, some, like, some myth or story. Like, uh, there's the Red Riding Hood, who's called, what, Scarlet? Scarlet, yeah. Scarlet, who turns into a werewolf, so she's great. There's the Pied Piper, who summons a bunch of rats. Uh, they just recently added, I think, Geppetto. Geppetto, yeah. Right? So you pick one of these characters, or multiple, I think Aladdin is one. Uh, Beowulf. Beowulf, okay. The Ice Queen. Is that all of them? There's the mermaid gal, but I forget her name. Well, anyway, so you and up to three other friends are this group. You have 
what, like four nights or four day cycles within yeah. the, the context of the run to go around the map, killing anything that looks at you funny, try to level up, get stuff that's going to make you strong for the big boss thing at the end of the four nights. And, and that's really it. It's not a terribly complicated game, but it's like really good animation. It looks great. It's got a cool idea of these physical hero kind of things, and it's a fun way to spend a night with three friends. So it's like public domain Diablo? Well, it's not actually like Diablo, because there's not this like long-form leveling up over many sessions. Every run lasts, what, yeah. half an hour? And 20 minutes, yeah. half an hour, depending. Exactly. Then once you're done with that run, it's done. Like You might unlock some other stuff and kind of level up some principles of individual characters you play, but it's not like you pick a character and then gear them up and level them up over like 40 hours like you would in Diablo. It just plays kind of like Diablo over the top. Yeah, down. I looked it up to look at it. The art style's interesting. It very much looks Diablo-esque. Well, yeah, it's very storybook, and I think that's one of the big things that I enjoy about it. Oh, yeah, I see Aladdin is one of the characters. Yeah, so far I like the Pied Piper because I summon a bunch of rats and then they explode. You literally can upgrade them so they have fuses on their tails and they, then they turn into bombs. Interesting. Yeah, no, I'm looking up the various characters and it's just like, okay, I kind of got to squint to figure out who you're referencing with some of these, but yeah. I mean, Pied Piper has a big dumb hat that tracks. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Beowulf sounds real up Ulrich's alley specifically, so. I bristle at the inclusion of Beowulf and with these other characters, but this is not the time or podcast for that. It's a historical thing, I think. Is is it's a complicated thing? Yeah, <laughs> what I'm saying, like, there's a lot there. Something about Beowulf being included with I don't know. I'm getting off track. Yeah, I feel like it's a, kind of a <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. I'm pretty sure I know where you're going there, but I feel like including Beowulf with like Aladdin makes sense. Although including them with. Uh, Little Red Riding Hood and the Pied Piper is a different kind of... Anyway, it's more like two different types of stories, characters, I think. But it's, it's a grab bag for the layman. I'm not going to complain about that. Like, yeah, you know Beowulf because you read it in English class. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, there's not a whole lot to talk about. It's just a, a fun, pretty cheap, I think. Yeah, uh, 20 bucks, I think. Yeah, like 20 bucks, and it's it's the kind of thing that you just play with your, with your buddies on... Uh, yeah, we played on Steam. I don't know. It, it looks like anything's probably available on Switch or something, right? I would assume that eventually it'll be on the Switch, but I'm eventually, not sure if it is. Yeah, I'm not sure. Anyway, I don't have much else to say about it. It's just fun. Yeah, <laughs> great game. Just needs more. Yeah, true. I, and, of course, it's the kind of game where once you have the basic premise down, you start racking your brain, I think, for other types of characters that might be interesting to add. Because, like, Geppetto's like a turret robot summoning dude. Meanwhile, the Pied Piper has bomb hordes, and Little Red Riding Hood being this literal, I am a ranged character during the day, and then a tank character during the night is turned to werewolves. The interesting idea is, so one of the storybook characters, you know, might we want to add? What else is public domain? <laughs> right. So Little Red Riding Hood as a werewolf trope, I had forgotten that was a thing that annoyed me. Okay. It's just, it's one of those things that's, everyone thinks they're the first to do it, and it's like, it's been done to death. I mean, I don't agree with to death because I think it's cool in this game. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not cool. I'm just saying it's a trope that I'm like, oh, let me guess. Lord Riding Hood's a werewolf. Yep, cool. That that 
Very original. Thank you. What if, else their I, if their idea is to use, you know, the the tropey characters, it would make sense that they would do the trope, right? That's also true. Yeah, no. I don't mean it as super disparaging as more just a commentary on like, okay, you, you, congrats, you, you checked that obvious one off. Cool looking character. I like the idea of what they change, um, using as a mechanic to change up the character's play style. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Oh, Mr. Petto. For some reason, I'm like, why the fuck is Gandhi in this game? <laughs> now you're really crossing some lines throwing Gandhi in. Nope, Geppetto. I haven't actually seen Geppetto played yet because he's pretty new. Interesting. Anyway, why don't you go with one now, Ulrich? Yeah, I'll throw another real simple beer and pretzels play with friends game. Starship Troopers Extermination. It's another Starship Troopers game. You all know how I feel about Starship Troopers. Kid and two friends have actually played that a couple. It was a couple weeks ago. We had a night yeah. playing that. A couple weeks ago. It's fun. Yeah, it's very fun. It's incredibly bare bones, but it 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 captures the feel. Uh, well, this is like what a team based horde shooter resource gatherer game. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Pretty much. The only the only two things about it that really make it different, and I and I don't play so many first person shooters, so I'm sure someone who does will tell me like that's not different. This other thing did it well. From my perspective, the only things that make Starship Troopers really different are one being a Starship Troopers game, so it's got all the the propaganda and the aesthetic and whatnot that's fun for that franchise, and two. That your team size is like fucking huge. Sixteen people, yeah. Yeah, normally for I've seen for games like this, you're looking at four, like m maybe eight people, but with sixteen people, well, it's like four men to a squad, and then you form a bigger team. Yeah, but still, in the context of the map that you're on and playing, you're playing with fifteen other people. Oh yeah, and one thing I do kind of like, but it is very. This is a pro and a con co-op driven of if you want to succeed you need to work together and you need to communicate otherwise you're just going to kind of get you know chewed up and spit out the other side which is fun it's got three unique classes a heavy gunner a jetpack dude and the medic who's mixed levels of useful having a medic near you that's constantly giving you ammo when you're playing the turret guy is the best yeah, that's how we, we did I was the operative, the, the medic, and he was the heavy, and we just sat on a wall, and I just fed him ammo as he murdered everything. Yeah, no, that is one of the things I guess is very super, super duper, very early access. But when the team works together, the game really works. And again, it's got a little bit of base building, which not too much confusing base building for those, who, those of us who are old and look at Fortnite going, no, 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 there's, there's, there's too many ramps and walls here. This game's got, we got gates, we got bunkers, and we got walls, and hey, here's a tower for you because it's from the movie. Yeah, this is a real simple, cheap. The community seems to be pretty decent. People, if you communicate, people will communicate. And again, I kind of like that it does kind of go like, no, no, if you're going to play this game, you need to, you know, work together. Otherwise, you're going to be overrun by these bugs. When we were playing, we at one point had a VTuber join us, and it was really funny because I was able to go and find them on Twitch as we were playing. And we also had someone join. I don't know anything about them other than at the end of the... So at the end of every match, for anyone listening, you have to get on 
board the ship to get extracted. Also, if you play the game, get on the ship so we can extract. Get on the fucking yeah. ship, please. So many times. For the love of God. <laughs> Bill would just stand outside the front of the ship, and it won't go until everyone's in the ship. So People anyway. trying to do the last stand or rack up the last few kills. and Yeah, then the rest of us are just sitting in the back of the ship waiting for your dumbass to come inside. And sometimes it works great. Like if you want to form, you know, rear guard to make sure, you know, the stragglers can get on. That's great. Set up. Do that. Get the medic there. Make sure everyone gets on. But don't be the guy that just sets up in turrets until literally the boat's counting down. Like, all right, 15 seconds. Well, it was really funny because this, this one guy, we were doing that. We were at the end. Like, all of us were on the ship, except for him and, like, two other people that were sitting outside. And suddenly, he died, like, three feet from the entrance. And over the chat, you just hear him go, no! No! <laughs> the scream was so good. And we all started laughing our ass off. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun game. And most importantly, it feels like Starship Troopers. I think that's the biggest pro I can give for it is like, yeah, no, it looks and it feels like a Starship Troopers game. They have big plans. Hopefully they can stick to it. Yeah, it's just a fun shoot 'em game. Kill the no artillery real. bugs. Yes, oh, fucking yes. Bugs, please. take out the artillery bugs. Oh, that's the other thing is it does break it up is yes, you've got the mindless, you know, hordes, but then occasionally it throws in big things like, you know, uh, artillery bugs or tiger bugs or those stupid machine gun beetles. Oh, the the spitting bugs are the worst, dude. The uh, freaking machine gun guys. Yeah, I hate them so much. Well, they they so much damage. For me, again, it's fun and it adds to it when you're scouting over the squad chat. Like someone take down that goddamn tiger. Well, I remember there's one match where we were going up this hill, and there were like three artillery bugs at the top of the hill, just raining death on us. We're trying to get this fucking hill. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, it feels very authentic to Starship Troopers. I'm like, oh, fuck. No, this is, you know, we are only going to win if we collectively make an effort to win, which is also kind of fun because it does punish people to try and, you know, lone gun it. Like, if you try and run out and do it on your own, nine times out of ten, you're just going to get your ass beat back down because there's so many bugs. Very true. Also available on Steam. I don't know where else it's available. I forgot to mention the top. All of our games we mentioned in our indie game roundups are available on Steam. We cannot vouch for their location otherwise, but they all are available on Steam at various prices. 99%. I've got one to talk about that I don't know if it's on Steam, though I'm sure it is. <laughs> Which one? Moon Hunters? Yeah. Yeah, Moon Hunters should be on Steam. Well, I didn't know that because we played it on Switch. I'm pretty sure it's on Steam. You know, there's this incredible thing called Google. Yeah, well, there's also this incredible thing yeah. called I'm not in front of my computer. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. You got a phone, and I bet your phone has Google on it, too. I don't know. I have my phone on me, my brother. <laughs> Whoa. Don't Diablo us, bro. Yeah. Don't you guys have phones? Exactly. Anyway, let's move on to one of Wretched's talk, talking points. I know we weren't supposed to talk about 40K today, but I got I to gotta throw out Bolt Gun. It's too good for people to not buy, even if they don't like Doom. Who, Who doesn't, doesn't like Doom? Doom? Yeah, Weird exactly. people, man. I don't know. Someone's out there that probably like, you know, Doom wasn't fun for me. But well, it, fuck them. There's a reason why Doom goes on to everything. We find fucking calculators we can put Doom on yeah, for dude. a reason. 
from other EKG machines. Well, anyway, explain bolt gun to anyone who doesn't know. Uh, so bolt gun is uh, basically if you were playing Doom, but you wanted a skin of 40k. It's really not more complicated than that. And when we say yeah. Doom, we mean original Doom. I mean, it feels a little bit more like 2016 versus... Well, gameplay-wise, yeah. it because it's got a more of a three-dimensional element to it, but it's meant to evoke aesthetically the yeah. original like three Doom games. Right. It's really nothing more complicated than that. You play as a, a, a space marine in the 40k universe, killing demons, Doom-style. Yep, and if you didn't know anything about uh, 40k, it'd still be a fun... A fun Doom thing, and for the 40k fans, they do have some neat stuff. Like all the guns have a strength, and all of the things nice. that you do that have a toughness. I think that's pretty cool. Soundtracks, pretty cool. Badass. yeah. I haven't, I haven't played it yet, but I bought it just because it's awesome, and I've watched it played from other people. It's so good, dude. Yeah, and uh, isn't the main space the main space marines voiced by Rahul Cooley, which is really cool to see him finally get to die. In to being like he's gone from being a fan of Warhammer to in a Warhammer video game. That's very cool. That's awesome. That's like a rare honor. Like I'm thinking about like other people that are into Warhammer like as publicly that have got that chance. Like now I feel like you know not that many have crossed that barrier. It's also semi canonically tied to the Space Marine game. If you squint, it is. <laughs> I didn't know that. Really, he makes frequent references to Captain Titus. Oh, very nice. cool. It's, it's tied there if you squint, which the 40k community loves nothing more than squinting going, that feels like a connection. Yeah, very cool. Anything else you gotta say about it? Because I haven't played it, so I can't say. I just watched it played. No, that's uh that's pretty much it. I just wanted to plug it because it it deserves to be uh to know be noticed anyway. Is it 10 or 20 bucks? Uh I think it's 15. 15? Okay, yeah. so I went right around it. The fifteen bucks apparently what a pretty solid like ten ish. Yeah, like ten ish hours. Ten ish hours. Yeah, just a good forty k doom experience. Highly recommend playing on the hardest difficulty. You gotta do it. It's <laughs> worth a true forty k experience. So worth. Mm. Well, speaking of forty k games, but not, I'll use this opportunity to plug a game that honestly I'm pretty sure both of or I know for a fact both of you have played more than me. I'm just going to be the one bringing it up, which is Deep Rock Galactic. Oh boy. So good. Rock and Stone. Rock and Stone. So Carl. So I love that the elevator pitch, I think, sounds really boring on paper because Deep Rock Galactic, anyone doesn't know, is a mining game, but not like that other super popular mining game. We're in space and we're getting into asteroids and we're mining stuff in the asteroids. But two special things. One, you're all dwarves, like Lord of the Rings dwarves just in space. And two, the rocks are full of bugs that are trying to kill you as you take their shit. Horrible bugs. Yeah, that's all right. So, you know, this is kind of a continuation of Starship Troopers and the bolt gun bit. And we call it not 40k because it feels like you're playing there's a race in uh, 40k called leagues of votan that are basically space dwarves and it really feels like you're playing a leagues of votan game in all but name Very it's true. also an incredibly pro-union game and i endorse that it is huh that makes sense yeah there's like yeah there's a ton of you know stuff in the sky in the background and you work for a soulless heartless corporations like hey if you die that's great just make sure you get the resources out oh yep and uh, just like with the Starship Troopers thing, you've got classes, you've got, they all have 
slightly different things and slightly different weapons, slightly different special abilities from creating, you know, grappling hook lines that people can climb on to someone who has a mini gun, essentially. It's just, I don't know, it's not a very, <laughs> another bit, not very complicated one, but it's rock and stone. It's very memeable. So you just yell that at each other. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's a but there's a great mission variety and map variety. It's one you can play by yourself. There is a good solo player mode, but honestly, jumping in with randoms. This is one of those few games that jumping in with randoms generally works just as well. At it's least in my experience. I, I do think that uh, the community is pretty great, so you don't run into a lot of bad problems when it comes to playing multiplayer. Yeah, no, and you jump in and. It just mass chaos ensues because it's one of those fun games that the more players they are, the more bu- they spawn the you know appropriate amount of bugs to like oh there's four of you so here's four times as many bugs. Oh, also, and I feel like this is the case in other games too, but I felt it more in this. You have limited ammunition, and you're on this you know mission to this asteroid, so you ha- you get more ammunition from like periodic points in the mission where they'll drop it for you. But for the most part. I felt that number going down when I'm firing. <laughs> yeah, leave it to your gunner. Your gunner does the shooting. Everyone else just gets the resources and gets the fuck out of there. Yep. Anything more you guys who've played more about it know that I don't know? Well, always punish your scout. Always punish the scout? Yep. That's what your C4 is really for. <laughs> oh. Poor scout. Blow them up. <laughs> well, if they would put the light up, then we wouldn't yeah. have a problem, now would we? Oh, that's right. So, yeah, one of the classes the scout can basically shoot super lights to light up because these asteroids are dark. They don't have natural light. So you need to put light out there. And I guess uh, online scouts don't like to light things up then. No, they don't. <laughs> they just do it for themselves and then they leave because they've got the grappling hook. They're like, why are you like this? <laughs> it hurt you. Again, going back to the structure, this is a game that, you know, it works best when everyone works together and then kind of punishes you if you, you know, don't work together. I mean, occasionally you will have to leave someone behind to get eaten by the bugs because they just weren't fast enough. But generally you try and, you know, make sure everyone gets to the extraction point. And I don't know how much that was because it was gifted to me by Wretched. It's frequently on sale. Yeah, I don't know. I got it off the Humble Bundle. Well, there you go. So it's going to be very cheap and has a good online community and is another good way to spend a night with three friends. For sure. Ulrich, next. Oh, is it with me? All right. I'm going to pitch another one that will surprise no one. There's an Ulrich pick. Uh, Surviving Mars. This is the only one on this list. Actually, no. One of two on this list that I've never heard of. So talk about it. So it's basically a colony sim of trying to create a suitable habitat on Mars. And it's kind of, I say kind of, because there's only so much hard science these games are going to do, grounded in hard science in, before you can even bring people down, you send drones down to start harvesting the raw minerals and resources that you need to build up the eventual, you know, domes, rocket pads, and various other things that will, you know, be required to, um, have a functioning little civilization here on Mars. And it's very supply chain, it's a very supply chain driven game. Uh, you know, you got one little group of drone bots or rovers. They're going around, they're getting other things. You've got another one's hauling concrete over from your concrete factory, and you're building and you're building. 
Um, you have to monitor things like electricity and water and oxygen. And one of the coolest things is it's totally customizable in how difficult you want your experience to be and what type of difficulties you want to have to deal with. Sounds like a sci-fi version of that Fortress Builder game you're really into. Yeah, there, there's a definitely a trend of Ulrich likes building little cities and trying to keep them from dying. But this is definitely one of those games of, I'll just sit down to play it for a little bit and look up and go, oh, it's been four hours. How did that happen? And I realized, because you, you spent hours just, you know, mining and collecting concrete to build the rocket pad so you could bring in another colony ship because there's not enough people at the titanium mines. Hmm. And, you yeah, know, there's little cool things like, okay, do you want your landing site to have more or less frozen water? How often do you want meteor strikes to be? What kind of landing area do you want to be in? How much dust is there going to be to get on your solar panels? Well, you're still doing it from, like, the role of a top-down, like, omnipotent being, kind of, right? Like, yeah, it's yeah. like SimCity, but on Mars. Okay, okay. And so then, not not to derail and talk about Valheim for a second. I was just it made me think about how interesting Valheim is because it's a city builder where you're literally in control of just one person. Yeah, but, yeah. Like Factorio. Yeah, Factorio. For Factorio. Factorio. Yeah, I don't know that one. It's uh, you just building a big old factory. Hmm. Yep, all about efficiencies. But one of the other cool mechanics is so once you've got settlers living on your little dome on your on Mars. You now have to split your concerns of, okay, do they have food, water, and those general resources? But then you also have to manage the little biodomes they're living in to make sure they have the appropriate things in their biodomes to create. It's just one of those games of it keeps going down and down and down in depth. Of It's a paradox game, so you can go as deep as you want in, you know, all right. So I need engineers, so they're going to have access to this and this. This is my penal colony, so they get nothing. <laughs> It's funny because the only city builder like that that I ever put any time into was I played a lot of a uh, Jurassic Park oh, uh, amusement yeah. park builder. <laughs> Other than that, though, I don't have frame context. No, it's a fun little semi-science-driven little city builder. And uh, there's expansions that you're know, like, hey, maybe you're tired of farming oxygen. Maybe you want to terraform it. So here's a DLC that will, you know, talk about how you would go about terraforming a planet and creating an atmosphere and the process that would be. How much is it? I don't know. I bought this a long time ago, but also frequently on sale. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, Ratchet, what's your next one? I got to keep plugging it every time I can across the obelisk. Now, Across the Obelisk, I know we've talked about in a previous Indie Roundup, but considering I love it, I am not going to veto it. Go it's on. so good. Uh, you, like, uh, you like deck builders? You like roguelikes? You like doing them with your friends? Boom. Yeah. I don't like any of those things, but go multiplayer on. Multiplayer Darkest Dungeon with a card element. It's kind of the best. The devs do a great job. Super, super cool people. Got to keep plugging it as much as I can. I'll tell you, as someone who doesn't really like card games in general, it kind of started teaching me how to properly think about card games. I think it helps because the decks are only like 15 cards deep. That helps. Yeah, so it's easy to keep my head wrapped around the whole thing. I like the art style. Yeah, no, Across the Obelisk is really fun. I played, it's one of those ones that, so Rich and I do a regular Thursday night game with a couple of other of our friends. 
and Cross the Obelisk is a a standard there. It's been a while since we played it because we were playing Tabletop Simulator Curse City for a while, and then things have been not in place for game night, but we play a lot of Across the Obelisk. Yeah, good times. I was going to ask why the Wolfman has a mustache, and then I realized I answered my own question. Yeah, why wouldn't it? Exactly. I'm just saying the marketing department knows what they're doing. Yep, I play exclusively as Zek, the warlock rat who puts darkness on people. This recently released a werewolf guy who's a... Yager. Yager, yeah, he's a butcher. He's the butcher. He's the best. He provides meat to the team. Yeah, Yeah, I'm looking at Zek, and I feel like uh, Games Workshop lawyers are already on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Now, hold on here. Totally not a Skaven warlock. No, no. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Love Zek. Yeah, I'm just saying, you know... There's uh, fair use, and there's filing the serial numbers off. Yeah, but if you're interested in like playing his weird things too, it's got an Illithid character. Yep. Yeah, I'm looking at the characters right now. Like, like, okay. Yep, he's pretty good. There's the witch doctor. She's really good. Maluka. Apparently, the best character in the game, according to the Reddit forums, is uh, Reginald, who's the oh yeah, who's the cleric essentially. But apparently, he can break the game on his own. He's got the power of smiting them. Smites! He's quite literally the definition of that meme where the guy's like, I'm a healer but, and he cocks the gun. Like, that's <laughs> Reggie. I will also say, this doesn't mean anything to me because I didn't play it, but I've heard many people refer to it as multiplayer Slay the Spire. And since Slay the Spire is very popular, if you're listening to this and you like that, but you want to play it with your homies, boom. Yeah. I have lots of follow-up questions for the art department. (laughs) (laughs) I see what you're doing, but I want to know the choices that led you here. Well, let's move on to the the third round of games, because we have time. As mentioned earlier, Wretched mentioned that uh, I put Moon Hunters on my list, which is a game I actually played on Switch in a couch co-op situation. And it's fundamentally similar to what I described from Raven's Watch, but with one, I'd say, big difference, which is that there's a narrative happening in the context of Moon Hunters that evolves depending on what decisions you make in each run to the point where they can have impact on future runs. So, again, loose overview. Moon Hunters is this multiplayer game. You pick a class, you change your color, but generally speaking, you don't change too much with the class. You go down one of two skill routes, You have four days, but whereas in Raven's Watch, the days basically happen in something like real time. Well, not not like days real time, but like, again, over 20 minutes, like four days will go by. In Moon Hunters, it's more like a fourth of a day happens when you enter a zone. And so you'll enter like 16 zones over the course of a run. And you've got this big map that you kind of travel along. And depending on what forks and branches you take, you'll introduce or you'll meet different people. You talk with people to do a story. At the end of the four days, you fight the leader of a sun cult who might turn into a sun monster. And when you do, then all the characters in your party will become constellations as a a reward for their success. And there'll be a story that future generations in the context of the, the lore, they will know your story, but your story will be kind of twisted by time. And it will be based on what decisions you make in the context of your run. 
So like something as simple as we come, we came across, uh, I think there's an actual decision in the game where you're in searching these mountains and you find a table full of food and you can decide to eat the food or not. And if you do, it turns out to be like, you know, a mirage or poison food or something. But if you do that decision, then part of your story is that you were known as like a crazy glutton who just ate any food that came in front of them. And then you can always check all your stories. I think there's a maximum number of like 60 something constellations that your, your file can hold. But yeah, it's great music. It's got a really pared down, simple art style plays really well, very simple because it can play on switch, but the, the evolving narrative and, couch co-op aspects are really the best selling points, I think. I don't know what's happening here, but one screenshot has the player running from a horde of baboons. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> Accurate. Like, I don't know how or why that's happening, but okay. Yeah, I don't know. They probably pissed off some baboon. I was going to say, you could experience probably hundreds of hours and still not figure out why that happened. Yeah, <laughs> it is a very massive game, deceptively so, for how simple it looks. I'm digging the art style. Like, we probably pumped, like, 30 hours of co-op in my apartment. Into At that. least. Yeah. It's got, like, not 8-bit, but that general retro vibe, Miyazaki vibe to it. 16-bit kind of style. Uh, I, yeah. like play, I like to play the druid because he chucks leaves at people <laughs> and I stab them. That sounds incredibly annoying. I mean, if you're playing him, it's really fun. <laughs> oh, I'm sure this writing some random dude walking up, chucking leaves at me. And then just like, oh, motherfucker. And then I like the bard, too, because bards are always awesome. And the bard is both support and a, a murderer. Someday we'll get into my deep-seated hatred for bards. Poor, poor man. As it's a fantasy construct, we will get into that. Probably in just like a random ramble episode. Mm. Anyway, but since since uh, you got me into it, Richard, do you have any additional thoughts on Moon Hunters? Not really. I mean, that's pretty much straightforward there. All right. Praise the moon. Praise the moon. <laughs> Literally, the, one of the ideas of the game, by the way, is that the goddess of the moon is disappeared. Is gone, yeah. And the sun cult is probably to blame. <laughs> And so then you're trying to find the moon goddess, which is why you're the moon hunters. We never got an ending where we found the moon goddess. I'm sure one exists, but we didn't find it. At least not in your co-op with me, anyway. Yeah, because we did uh, we had the one where we took out the sun cult. The one where we joined the sun cult for giggles. Yeah. The... One that basically the guy completes the ritual and becomes the sun god thing, and then we beat it. There was one one of my favorite endings is that you can seduce the sun cult leader. Oh yeah, and convince him not to do what he's doing. Yeah, <laughs> and then you just go off together in the sunset. <laughs> you save the apocalypse by seducing the cultist. <laughs> Great. <laughs> this feels like really early on uh, Final Fantasy. Like, looking at some of these screenshots, I'm like, this feels like a Final Fantasy boss. Visually, I can yeah. see that. It's got the same style to, like, the first six Final Fantasies. Like, I'm waiting for the little exclamation point that signals a fight's about to go down. Yep, but the fights all happen in, uh, in media res. No, no turn-based or anything like that in this game. All right, let's move on to your third one, Orc. All right, my third one. I'm going to break the rules. 
Gladius, Relics of War, do you like Civ? Do you like Warhammer? Would you like them to be combined? Yeah, this is definitely not indie game, but it's okay. This is Slytherin Studios. They don't get much more indie than them. Hold on, let me confirm that. I'll tell you one thing, though. I, I don't mind talking about Gladius because I like Gladius. I feel like Total War makes Gladius... I don't want to say invalid, but... Something. They are at its entirely different purposes. Yeah, they're they're for yeah, different types of players. Yeah. Gladius yeah. says, what if we had Warhammer and Civilization? And Warhammer is like, hey, what if you wanted to play, you know, your tabletop game, but with on a computer where all the models move and you don't have to paint them? I don't know. I'm just saying that you can play Total War that way as well because you can just do everything through auto-resolve and not bother with the RTS side of it. I know know those people exist and they make me sad. But we're not here to talk about that. I'm sure you're talking about Gladius, which it's really not any more complicated than Civilization, but in 40k. Yeah, if you like 4x games and you like 40k, it's perfect. I will say that you probably want to go get the, uh, the Voices mod. Because uh, one of my buddies poisoned me on this game when I found out that there isn't natural voice acting. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, kind of weird. Anyway, Gladius, Relics of War, game available on fucking Steam, Civilization 40K. Auric, go ahead. Yeah, I didn't check. They're developed. They're... Oh, crap. I lost who they were developed by, but this is well, an studio. It's awesome. The is the publisher. The other one is the developer, and they've only got yeah. like... Slytherin's fairly small, and Proxy I've never heard of. Yeah, Proxy's done basically... They did, like, one other game, but it's another 4X game as well. I partially hold it against the game that when I first got it, I just wanted to play Orcs, and I found out that they hid Flash Gits, my favorite Orc unit, behind a paywall. Oh, let's talk about the DLC, because I'm not happy with their DLC policy. It's not great. There's a lot of good stuff in the game, but they have piecemeal released stuff to us in a fashion that would make EA blush. Yep, for a little bit too much, I feel, for some of them. Oh yeah, like, hey, do you want four really cool iconic units? Well, then give us $13. Right. And I mean, it's not huge... They're not big models. There's not high graphics. It really, it's Civ Five, basically. Yeah. I will give credit where credit's due. It's got some fun lore deep cuts, like the Enslavers are just a random, they're barbarian substitute for the game. Uh, All the factions play differently, which is cool. And speaking of which, the factions you can play as are Space Marines, Militarum, Necron, Orcs, and one more, right? Tau and Tyranids are in there now? They weren't in there when I played Sisters are in it now, aren't they? No, I don't think Sisters are in it. I think we mixed that up. Sisters are in Adeptus They are. I figured they put them in finally. Oh, never mind. I take that. Eldar in. It looks like the only people who's not represented. Dark Eldar aren't represented. And various space marine factions aren't represented, but yeah, well, they they kind of stapled all the space marines together like they did with chaos. Yeah, and that has its positives. And it's a fun ish game. I fun ish. <laughs> yeah, fun ish is very much the word here. Like, there's a lot I like about it. 
but also it doesn't have it doesn't have the narrative oomph that you get in a really good Civ game. Like I've got a lot of hours in this game, and I have no real like Civ esque stories that I could share. It's like, yeah, no, this is fun for you know when I wanted to play Warhammer Total War, but Warhammer Total War 40k doesn't exist yet. So this will hold me over, and maybe I'm feeling like Civ, but I've played a bunch of Civ. I'll play this. Yeah. It's a good enough game, and in the word terms of you know Warhammer, good enough carries a lot of weight. Yeah, I mean, admittedly, I only played through a whole campaign once as orcs, and now that I know sisters are in it, I will probably do that sometime soon. But yeah, yeah, I haven't. I'll admit, I haven't gone back to it in a while since I started seeing their DLC. I'm like, you're really locking the cool shit behind the DLC. Maybe yeah, I, like, I want to play sisters. I got to spend about fifteen bucks. I don't think sisters have fifteen dollars worth of units. <laughs> a whole faction—it does seem seem like a bit much to me, even for yeah. a faction. But to be fair, they charged equal amounts if you wanted, you know, a land raider. That's messed up. Like the yeah. land raider and the lord of skulls and a couple other units were all locked by a very expensive primo DLC. I feel like ten bucks for a faction. I'd be more. Pretty chill with yeah the, the dawn of war pricing yeah get it on DLC or get it on a Steam sale yeah get it on a Steam well I and the Steam sale too does get pretty cheap yeah I think the last time that I saw one it was like five bucks for the game and if you like 4x games and you're looking for something new it's a great it'll fill that niche perfectly but I'm drowning in 4x games and Warhammer games so this gets a kind of loose suggestion yeah I'll I'll give it another look. Anyway, Wretched, you've got one more to talk about. I'm going to change up which one I talk about so I can talk about this one because I had forgotten about it, but I had intended to bring it up to you because I think that you'd really like it. Uh, it's called War Tales. What's the... It's kind of like uh, Bannerlord and that kind of stuff, but instead of the combat being more of like a, a real-time fight, it's a turn-based fight. Uh, or like Band of Brothers. And the whole concept of the game is you're running this mercenary band and you just kind of roll around the town trying to build up your band, become famous. War Band was the term, the game series you were talking about. Yeah. I've heard a lot about this. I haven't totally decided if it's for me or not yet. I've a few hours into it and I've I've been really enjoying it. It's uh, It's really interesting. They've got some... Really good class dynamics, I feel. It's one of those, it is still one of the early access, so I, I will say Aaron was a gosh there. Yeah. Yeah. But it's got some real, real fun stuff. It's got four-player cooperative. That caught yes, my attention. sir. I'm always down for a fun mercenary simulator. Oh, for sure. Especially with the homies. I probably want to see you play it first. Considering yeah. that we already have Polish Gate, Solasta, For the King, Stolen Realm. Oh, yeah. They keep coming out. Very solid, though. Yeah, I mean, you can show me later. But I will. War Tales. Looks like it's... What, what was that? Uh, I think it's... It's on sale right now. It's on sale for about $28. Which will be completely relevant by the time this comes out. For sure. Oh, it's probably going to be... Looks like 30 bucks is the standard. Mm-hmm. Oh, six months ago this was on sale. What the fuck were these guys talking? What good is that to me now in the future? That's why it looks kind of Baldur's Gatey. Yeah, it's got some Baldur's Gate in it. 
It's interesting. I'll have to show you a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. But it's uh, it's weird. They've got like a pretty realistic thing when it comes to like their shooting dynamics, but at the same time, it like is still pretty arcadey. It's weird. Okay. All right. More tales. Yeah. All right. That brings us through all nine of our suggestions for this recording, which is more than enough. So if you're out there and you don't have the first world problem of too many games to play like we do, then you will after listening to this. Thank you, Ratchet, for coming on and chatting with us. Of course, guys. Great talking with you again. All right. And then at this point, we give you the special soapbox where if there's anything you want to plug, does not have to be related to this conversation. But I know you yourself don't necessarily have like online social media projects, but if there's any that you want to give a spotlight here, this is the time to do it. Plug anything you want. Uh, I just I don't have anything for today, buddy. Appreciate it though. All right. That works fine then. So then we can move right on to the next thing, Ulrich, which I guess is suggestions of the week. Which I'm just gonna Yeah. I'm just gonna continue with suggesting another indie game to steal from the next time we do this, which is Edition Stolen Realm. It's just a I don't know, it's like another D D esque game, but you're fuck, how do you even explain this? It's made in Unity. Made in Unity. It's a it's a roguelike. Make a character, go through, just just Google it. Stolen Realms, very fun. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Super good. All right. I'll go next. Uh, weird title, great show. Have either of you heard of Unicorn Warriors Eternal? No. Negative. Okay. So this is Gendry Tartakovsky's follow-up to Primal. This was the big project he was working on. I remember seeing clips of this, yeah. This is basically, if you don't know, Gendry Tartakovsky uh, created Dexter's Lab, Samurai Jack, Primal, uh, Symbiotic Titan, Animation. Hotel Transylvania, which is not really in line with his other material, but so you know. (laughs) Anyways, basically he wanted to do a Popeye movie forever, and he created his own little scissor reel, and it never happened. And this is him basically going, fine, fuck it, I'm going to make my own Popeye show with all the cool, crazy fantasy tropes and things that I love. And that is Unicorn Warriors Eternal. It's in that art style that you kind of associate with Popeye, and it looks fucking amazing. But the premise is there is a band of warriors that have been fighting since ancient times to defeat the ancient evil, and they die, and they get reincarnated into new bodies, and they come back, and it's over and over again, except this time, the team isn't quite gelling for a multitude of reasons, and it kind of plays on the tropes. Like, their big, strong, celestial monk dude is in the body of a child. Our epic elven swordsman, well, he's got his own personal family tie-ups. Our insane magic user... Betty Boop, which is very much what the character is inspired by. Well, turns out that the transfer didn't go cleanly, and she both possesses her original soul of her ancient warrior soul and the new soul of the girl that's very confused and doesn't want anything to do with all of this. But it's it's Gendry Tarnovkowski. The guy has not done anything subpar. I mean, I don't like the Hotel Transylvania series, but the animation is still incredibly solid on those. And just to see him play around and do basically what his riff on Popeye would have been. It's, it's cool. It's really great, fun, fluid animation. 
Do you have a suggestion? Uh, yeah, I'm going to suggest that everyone go and try to pick up a copy of Darkstalkers, so maybe we can just bully Capcom into bringing it back. I don't know if I've ever put this on recording, but Wretched is a big fan of Darkstalkers, and his personal axe to grind is Capcom's mistreatment of that franchise over the last 20 years. So, yeah. <laughs> it's the worst. So that's fair. <laughs> Anyone who doesn't know, Darkstalkers is a fighting game where you're kind of fighting with classic monsters. Yeah. Kind of, kind of like Killer Instinct, a little more cartoony. Yeah. Got all the, all the favorites. Got the Abominable Snowman. We got a Dracula stand-in. I just know the Succubus, which is Morgan. <laughs> yeah, Morgan and her sister Lilith. Yeah. All right, Dark Darkers was fun. <laughs> Super fun. It uh, was done dirty. Absolutely. What, what game was it where they advertised it like in an Easter egg in another game? It was uh, Street Fighter Cross Tekken for the PS Vita. And during the loading screen, they had the advertisement for the Stock- or Dark Soccer Gold Edition, which Capcom used as no one buying as a way to not use the IP anymore, except for, you know, here and there. Feels bad, man. They keep putting it in Marvel vs. Capcom. That's, that's all I know. Yep. And the weird card game that they, they started. Fair. Capcom's a weird company, let's be honest. They have a crippling fear of money and success. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing Street Fighter Six right now, and I still feel comfortable saying that, as much as I think Street Fighter Six is actually fucking awesome. But anyway. It's like the entirety of the Monster Hunter series, when they were like, no, oh, the Western audience wouldn't like this. What are you talking about? And then they released Monster Hunter World, and they're like, holy shit, everyone <laughs> loves this. Like, once we put it on computer and not in handheld hell, people wanted to play it. <laughs> when it's not handheld purgatory. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't mean to turn this into a, a dunk on Capcom thing, but... They oh. deserve it. <laughs> all right, all right. Take us in the outro. All right, well, thank you all for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do all the things. I don't know where people share podcasts anymore. Share it with your friends, because the social media apps are on fire. So maybe just text your friend, hey, I was listening to this, and I thought of you. And if there's some particular platform you want us to be on that we're not, then tell us what it is. But thank you for listening to this wherever you're currently listening to it. As always, it's been Lord Commander Oric. And his shield brother, Axel Ray. Be sure to tune in next time. And as always, stay honorable.